the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the KFAX Ministry of the Week Sunday Message. The Bay Area has a rich diversity of churches and ministries that serve the community in Jesus' name. And here at KFAX, we love to shine a spotlight onto the great things God is doing through the kingdom work of pastors and ministry leaders. We feature a sermon or presentation from that leader to get you better acquainted with churches who will welcome you to worship and ministry opportunities that invite your involvement. Hello and welcome to the KFAX Ministry of the Week Sunday Message. Today we are very pleased to have Pastor Joel Jones of Spirit of Truth Church Worldwide, located in Crockett. Pastor Joel was born in Chicago and he married his high school sweetheart, Pastor Annalisa. Pastor Joel excelled in football and pursued opportunities from the NFL and USFL. And after a brief stint in the pro leagues, he relocated with his wife to California. They're blessed with two children and four grandchildren. He also worked in law enforcement for over 30 years. In fact, he once rescued a CHP officer from a crazed driver on a California highway. During his civil career, Pastor Joel served as a sworn peace officer, a sergeant of police, and later a sergeant with the San Francisco Sheriff's Department. Joel and Annalisa served as missionaries in South Africa, Southern India, and Guyana, South America. Pastor Joel is also an author. His current book is On the Job with God. The Awakening and the upcoming sequel is going to be released soon called On the Job with God, Taking It to the Streets. Pastor Joel Jones co-hosts a weekly radio program called Miracles of God, which you can hear tonight at 8 o'clock here on AM 1100 KFAX. You can find out more about Pastor Joel Jones on the website for Spirit of Truth Church Worldwide. That website is SOTCWW.com, which is the first letters of the words Spirit of Truth Church Worldwide.com or at our website KFAX.com. And now, Pastor Joel Jones on the KFAX Ministry of the Week Sunday message. Putting self on the shelf. As uh, Sister Doris was saying, there are some things that we, can, we need to put away. <clears throat> there are some things that we pull down from our cupboards that work and there's some spices up there that oh you only use those once in a while sometimes you got to put some stuff on the shelf and leave it up there and anyone who's been in Christ for any real amount of time will more than likely understand the message attached or contained in this title uh, I know that those of us who are here at Spirit of Truth Church worldwide we've we've been given um Messages, and we've been hearing the instructions given to us by the Holy Spirit. So, um, in the few years that this church has been founded, I know that we grasp the meaning behind that phrase. As I've said before, God is not a trickster, He's about teaching, He's about edifying and transforming our lives, especially as children. He wants to bring us bringing us into bringing to light uh, what needs to be done in order for us to be transformed into the image of God, which was his original purpose in the first place. We want to be transformed into the image of God. And that means that we are to be transformed 
as uh, new creations, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. We've talked about that. And we even quote uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. We quote it quite a bit, right? And we quote it because of its truth. You know, it's undeniable and that we have to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And it says that which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? The renewing of our minds, right? The renewing, renewing our minds that we may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. <clears throat> we want his perfect will. Good, yes. Acceptable, eh, yeah. But it says we're working to that perfect will. Do we get there all at once? Not likely. But we keep working. We keep uh, uh, doing the things that he prescribed for us to do because God already has, he's, he already has the plan in place. All we have to do is continue to work toward that. And that's what it says. Uh, so still, we need to be reminded at times just what is necessary, right? What is necessary for the goal of new creation to be achieved. It doesn't just happen overnight. Now, last Sunday, of course, was New Year's Day, January 1st, 2017, and it happened to fall on a Sunday. Well, you know, no, I was just elated about that. I'm sure we all were. And we all had the opportunity to be in the house of God, right? Uh, on the first day of the year, I thought that was rather, rather poignant. The house of God, it was as if we were, we were given a, a, the opportunity to make a symbolic declaration, that from here, we're going to start anew. We're going to start afresh. Amen. And I mean, <clears throat> we shouldn't have to start afresh. But for anyone who's fallen down, you know that you have to get back up. You just can't stay down. Okay. And you know that if you repent and we turn from those fallen ways, God says, that I will restore you. Right. So, um, and I was looking at Lamentations, it says in Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, that the Lord's mercies, uh, uh, they're not consumed. His compassions fail not, for they are new every morning. Every morning we get a chance to start again on the right foot. And those who were here last week, we were, you recall that the Lord provided us a message January 1st. You remember the message? <clears throat> Getting in gear. This new year. That was the message last week. Makes sense, right? Get it in gear. Get that, get that car, get, get it in drive and let's move out, right? Get it in gear. It makes sense. Now here the week after he gives me this message, it says putting self on the shelf. <clears throat> Obviously the Holy Spirit is here helping each one of us to see what will be required if we truly aspire to get moving in the right direction in our walks in Christ. Uh, not just this year, but for the years to come. Amen. So uh, you all came out in the stormy weather and, and, and I applaud you all for that and uh, uh, all the things that the storms bring. But it's good that we can go through a physical storm because they all the storms start in the spirit anyway. You see? So there's something about going through a storm. But we want to make sure that we do the things spiritually. 
that need to be done so that when these storms, the storms of life, besides the, the elements of, of nature, when the other storms of life come upon us, we want to go through those storms too and make it to sunshine. Amen. So let's go to our Bibles and see what God is serving up for us. We were, uh, we're going to examine a man's life, part of it. We're not going to go through the whole thing, but I want to introduce a man named Jonah who had, Jonah had to examine himself and, 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 and then maybe by doing this, by examining what, what Jonah examined, we might discover some things beneficial to us in our, in our own selves as well. I'm going to ask Minister Dora, uh, our wonderful minister uh, uh, in the house, to uh, take us to Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 6, and, and read that for us, please. Jonah 1, 1 through 6, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fee and went down fair and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down, and was asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. Amen. <laughs> That's a kind of funny story to me. <clears throat> uh, but it's poignant. It has some, some far-reaching uh, lessons in this, in this scripture. Thank you, Minister Dora. Here we get an introduction to Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. Jonah was called by God, Okay. But he was reluctant to accept the assignment which God had given him. Does that sound, sound familiar to anybody? <clears throat> he ran down and hid in the ship, had the nerve to go to sleep. <laughs> like, I didn't do nothing. Don't mind me. Never mind that this ship is about to turn over. Everything was fine till I showed up. I'm a man on a mission. See, the mission was God gave Jonah a mission, but Jonah had his own mission in mind, see? And he was called by God. And in these six verses that we see here, we're given a glimpse of just how serious Jonah was about not obeying God. Bottom line. Jonah was serious about not obeying God's instructions. And what were the instructions? To give a word to the people of Nineveh. I don't think the Lord told him to go live there. He just told him to go down there, give him a word, you see. But Jonah didn't want to do it. 
Now, I'm not saying that Jonah didn't have some type of a, a excuse or reason for that in his own mind, even if it was in his own mind. You see, Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. The Assyrians were not people to be played with. Okay. Assyria was a great empire, but it was also very evil and it was cruel. And the Assyrians were actually uh, the uh, nation of Israel, like some of their worst enemies were the people of Assyria. So, okay, we can understand that. Somebody is your foremost enemy. You may not be apt to want to go and Invite them to dinner. I mean, you just may not be. Lord didn't tell them to go to dinner now. He just told them to give them a word. But let's stick with that. I don't want to read anything into this. <clears throat> so Jonah, Jonah certainly hated the Assyrians. He wanted nothing to do with the people of Nineveh. So Jonah took it upon himself to run from God. Sometimes when God gives us a, a command or something, um, and we don't want to do it. Do we make up our minds not to? Just food for thought. I just want to come away from Jonah's issue for a moment and his attitudes for a moment and go look at the the mindset which may affect some of us here or at least has affected us in one way or another. Each and every one of us has gone through our Jonah moment, I believe, Okay. If we search far enough and back deep enough, we might see a little Jonah in us. Uh, those of us who are hearing this message today, at some time or another, has God ever given you an assignment, an order, an instruction that you certainly didn't feel good about? I know I have. I got a whole room full of them. They're in there somewhere floating around. Instructions and things that I didn't want to do. I wasn't feeling. And I might get some more instructions like that today. But this is the thing. How do you handle it when you get those instructions? That's the bottom line. How did you handle yours? Hopefully, we obey the Lord. That's the best way to handle it. But unfortunately, this is spirit of truth church worldwide. Do we always do it that way? I don't think so. I'd be lying if I said, yes, I know we all do it every time the Lord tells us to do something. I know better because we're fallible human beings. But unfortunately, uh, that's just the way it is. Many are they who have run from God. I'll say it again. Since I came to the Lord in 2004, before I was ever a Christian, since 2004, when I've met men of God, women of God, Christians, deacons, pastors, um, psalmists, vocalists, uh, ushers, musicians, choir directors, whatever the case may be, I've met many people who've told me they ran from God for a long time. They were in the word. They knew about Jesus. And they ran from God. So there's something about us as human beings that uh, we hear we hear what the Lord says sometimes, but sometimes uh, we don't listen to his voice. So I guess you could say that there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us to a certain degree. As a matter of fact, depending on the assignment God gives us, there may be a whole lot of Jonah in us. 
Mm-hmm. I sometimes will mention the fact that some people, yes, good, 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 well-meaning Christian Christ followers will go weeks, even years without speaking to their own family members. I've heard that. I've seen it. I've seen it. And they matter of factly told me that they that's the situation. And and they don't even live. The, the relatives don't live in Nineveh. <laughs> they, they just live cross town, sometimes right down the street. But we'll talk about them. We'll criticize them as if they're Ninevites. I'm like, ooh, I can't stand so-and-so, and she don't ever have to worry about me ever speaking to her or sitting in her house. It'll be a cold day in May when I see her again. Mm-hmm. That's how we are. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's sort of that's sort of our, our mindset. But what if the Lord told you, like he told Jonah, to go to that person. I know Christ followers because they had a bad situation at a at another place or another worship center. They I they won't even go there. They won't show up at that church. They won't even probably some of them won't even ride down that block. We we get into our own mindsets. We're we're coming out of 2016 into the new year. And I wonder how many of us in churches across the country now, don't worry about this. If, if this is not you, they'll just listen to it. <laughs> don't worry about it. Just listen to it. It's for somebody. <laughs> I'm listening to it. How many of us in churches across the country refuse to invite or break bread We're coming off all the holiday season with a certain relative or relatives. Just think about it. If it's not you, don't worry about it. Just pray for the ones who who this applies to. What if God told you to go to that person, to stop being so critical of that person, to bring a word as an offering of peace to that person? Could you do it? Would you do it? Some folks are probably saying no. I wouldn't do it because God knows how that person is. He's not going to send me into that lion's den. See, that's a critical attitude. That's a critical thought. That's how you feel. See, we're supposed to be thinking of how God feels. God knows more about that person than we could ever know. God knows why that person is such. If that person is a hard case, God knows why that person is a hard case. And if we go back to Romans, if we believe in Romans, because when I said Romans, everybody nod their head just about because we know about Romans. But if we look at Romans and say, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. That means God might take your body, that living sacrifice, and sacrifice you by putting you at Auntie Bet. We got a Betty here. I can't say Betty. Cousin Edgar's house. Whomever that person might be. And he says that this is your reasonable service. So you can't get upset if God tells you to go over that person's house. You can't get upset about it. That person may not even want you there. But if it works out that there's an invitation and you're there, 
then you just have to figure out that God may have placed you there for a reason. Sometimes we don't want to eat with people and we, we stop seeing them or we haven't spoken to them. And the next thing you know, somebody tells you that there's a funeral. It's the person you never talked to. It's the person that you was on your mind sometimes, but you just had your feet dug in the sand because you knew how terrible that person was. Yes, maybe they were terrible. But maybe God was working something out and you were the vessel he was going to use. Even in your obstinate, stubborn mentality that you didn't want to go there. I don't know if they're saved. You may have been the one. I don't know. To, to bring a message. To plant a seed, maybe. So, when we look at these things, uh, we have to see... Uh, uh, it's not what we don't want to do because, or what we want to do because when the Lord gives us a message, we say, boy, we can say no, no, uh-uh, uh, mm, not, not me, uh, mm-mm, no way. Mm. We start speaking other languages. Anya, andinda, speaking Korean. I'm not going there. You don't tell. No. What does God say? What does God say? That's the question. Let's go to the word and let's see. Let's go to... Uh, Matthew, let's go to Matthew 18, verse 21 and 22. Minister Dora, can you read that one for us, please? See what that says. See what it tells us. Matthew 18, verse 21 and 22, 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. 70 times. Thank you, Mr. Dorr. 70 times seven. Now, looking at that, notice in this scripture, you see something right away. Uh, and, and, you know, I looked at this scripture over and over again. I've seen this scripture so many times. Sometimes you just don't pay attention to it, though. I looked at it. Notice in the scripture lesson that Peter thought he knew the answer to his own question. You notice that? It says that Peter came. He coming to Jesus now. He coming to the Lord. He said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Does he wait? He said up to seven times, right? Sometimes we do that. We say we pray to the Lord, but we already got the answer that we want. We say, Lord, can I go down here? And you're already on your way. You done bought the ticket. Got your bags packed. You out the door now. Driving down the street. Knowing good and well, you didn't ask the Lord. Why didn't you ask him? On your way to Cash Creek. For example. I don't, I'm not saying anybody here, but I'm just saying wherever you're going, maybe the liquor store, you know, and you know that you can't handle your liquor and you know that uh, um, when you do, you get rowdy and start beating up folks and slapping your girlfriend or wife or whatever the case may be, whatever the case may be, going to the wrong part of town, you know, the red light district just cruising through. It's kind of late to ask the Lord, 
what you should be doing. Lord, you have anything else for me? Say no, Lord, please say no. <laughs> see, this is what we see here. Peter already had his mind made up. He already had that in his mind. Why ask the Lord if you already know? Why don't you just say, Lord, how many times? Tell me. So we, we, we have to look at these things and, and say, now, in all fairness, in all fairness, maybe Peter was just innocent fisherman and just asking the Lord the question, okay? But when he asked Jesus for the amount of time requires us to forgive someone then and we don't wait Jesus comes back and tells him 70 times 7 70 times 7 you, I want you to know that's a long that's a lot of forgiveness <laughs> that's a lot of forgiveness I come from the south side of Chicago where, where you had trials and enemies and if I had to forgive them 70 times seven, 70 times seven for what they did to me growing up and in, in, in my life and in police work, that means what that is, is the Lord. Do you think the Lord expects you to forgive them 70 times seven? And each time they do something to you, you mark it on your calendar. You know how big that calendar would have to be? You can't get a calendar like that at Staples or anywhere else. That's a, he's telling you that no matter how many times, forgive them. It's infinite. You should always have a forgiving heart. We should always want to go to our brother. We should always forgive him. Or her, no matter how many times. That's that's the that's the lesson in, 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 in that story right there. You know, we talk about being transformed. We talk about transformation. And <clears throat> transformation doesn't always come easy. A point to ponder. There's no transformation without trials. You can't be transformed unless you learn to love your brother. Because uh, love is the greatest component of God. God is love. That's what it says in First John. And if anyone doesn't uh, love God, doesn't know God, they don't, don't know love. You don't know God because God is love. That's what it says. Matthew 6, 23, seek ye, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then guess what? All these things will be added to All this you will find, right? If we seek him as a deer pants for the water. I know that may be a tough pill to swallow. Okay, that void in our hearts. I know that may be a tough pill to swallow, at least for those who don't know Jesus. For Christ followers, we understand it. We, we struggle ourselves at times. We do. We're human. We do. We're not perfect. But for people that don't know God, can you imagine how difficult that is? Mm-hmm. It's true. If you lend your ears to Jesus, lend Jesus your ears and allow him to speak into your lives. If we do that, I guarantee you he will cure whatever it is that needs to be fixed in you or in your life if you do that he cures everything from racism to depression from fanaticism to fear he'll take all of that stuff away from you he'll cure your anxiety i've seen people with a boxes of pills doctors want to put them on all kinds of anxiety pills lord said don't you touch one of those I'm your cure. I'm your cure. And just as soon as it came, it was gone. See? 
I'm telling you, I know I can hear you now saying, but I'm not sick. I don't need anybody to cure me. Well, don't worry. He also cures the people who, loose, who, who hallucinate. <laughs> and he'll snap you right out of that one too. Okay. <laughs> because physically you may not be sick. Mentally, you may be the sharpest tack in the box. You know, you may be just as smart and everything else on the outside. You may be the breadwinner in your family. You may be the one who holds the, the one that everybody comes to at work is you. And that's a good thing. That's all right. No, you're not sick physically. You're not sick mentally. You're not uh, uh, all broken down. And some of us are, but, but, but you're not. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what can happen to you. You can become feverishly sick with pride. Mm-hmm. You can become swollen up with envy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can be seething with rage running all through your body. Anger, hatred, mistrust, prejudice, all those things in you. Uh-huh. So much so that you can't even see straight, so you're blind as well. Let's put that in there. All those things are things that on the outside we wouldn't know we have. We won't even know we're sick because we've been in our state for so long. You see what I mean? That's why we have to really uh, uh, look at this thing and look at what Jesus did for us. Because the truth is, we all need the Lord. We all need Jesus. Every last one. None of us are perfect. Some of, some of you all look perfect. Y'all just as pretty, handsome, articulate. Y'all smell good. You give good hugs. Y'all just good like that. <laughs> but we all need help. We all need work. And that's why Jesus came in the first place. Help us out. Restore us back to his image. Amen. That's why he came. He came to deliver us. To the proper destination. What's the proper destination? In the likeness of Christ. Going to heaven. I heard somebody say it right here. You better believe it. That's the ultimate stop. I ain't getting off the bus till I get there. Mm-hmm. I'm, this bus said heaven. When the Lord came to me and explained, I got the picture. I see a big old bus with Jesus behind the wheel. So you're getting on or what? And I see up there heaven. I'm not getting out of my seat. I ain't getting up, getting up, giving it to anybody. I'm going to sit in that seat till they get me where I need to go. Amen. And I'm sure you will too. We can sing songs all the way there. Yes, sir. But that's what we need to do. We need to see that we all need the Lord. He's come to deliver us, to take us to the proper destination and in the proper image. When we get there, we'll be in remade in his image. But what does it take saints? What does it take to get there? Let's go to our scripture for the day. Second Corinthians five 17. We're not going to go through 18, 19, 20. Just look at five 17. Second Corinthians five 17. One of my favorites says, therefore, if anyone, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Mm-hmm. Oh, things have passed away behold all things have become mm. new amen amen absolutely <clears throat> thank Glory you pastor and lisa there it is again saints see we you might see these scriptures over and over again but that's the ingredient you know what 
I don't know, you might like seasoned salt, but if you got the salt and pepper right there, but that, that's, that's the basic ingredient right there. You know, you, you're going to have to put some of that in your, in, in, in your roast beef. Some, it's got to have some type of, say, I know cook now, y'all, if I'm messing up, y'all let me know. I'll use, an, I'll use another analogy. I just know it tastes like it when I taste it. At some type of seasoning in there. And without that seasoning, the meat's just not going to be right. You see? That makes sense? So, so it says right here, that's why this scripture, this is, this is the seasoning. This is the, actually the meat itself is in there also. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Once we sign on with Christ, that means we become new creations. Once you said, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior, you are now a new creation. It says old things have passed away. Sometimes it says must pass away, will pass away, have passed away. That means that some things are going to change now. See, we, what we're talking about, remember that I, said, I got on this scripture by saying, how do we get to that destination? How do we get to the proper destination? How do we get remade in the image of Christ? To be remade, that means something has to change. Something has to change. And here we talk about changing. We become new creations. Old things begin to pass away. Tell me, do they all leave at once? No. No, no, indeed. But some things, some things might leave immediately. As in my case, when the Lord came to me, that very same night I was changed. There were things I cried like a baby. Couldn't help but weep for about six or seven days. Uh, just, Just tore up. Didn't know how I was going to live. Didn't know what was going on with me. Am I just losing my mind? Well, how could I hear this voice and my wife? We're both messed up now. Who do we go to? Can't let my children see me crying. Can't let my son see me crying. As a matter of fact, when he saw what happened to me, he started crying just looking at me. <laughs> I was a sad case. Here's my son. You know, he's 280 pounds. Oh, boy, built like the Hulk. Looking at me crying. He blamed it on her. What'd you do to him? What'd you do to him? I'm like, I don't know. I was all messed up. People came into my, my office. People used to look at me and start crying. I had to look in the mirror. What do turn into a monster. People would come into my office and just start crying. Police officers, hardened cops would cry. Can you believe that? They said, because something happened to you. Something changed. The funny thing is, when I was an old knucklehead, when I was out there shooting and fall, coming through people, come falling with rooftops with guns blazing and, 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 and smacking people and, and, and adulterizing, oh, they wasn't crying in. They was like, come on, Joel, you go with me. Come on, Joel. Joel's there. But when the Lord came and they saw me all just like, they started crying. What am I going to tell my son? What am I going to tell my grandkids about their grandfather? I said, tell them he's saved. Tell them that God saved my life. Things have to change, you all. We can't keep our own identity. We can't stay the way we are. We can't stay the way you were before you met him. Because if you, if he let you stay that way, why meet him? You don't need him then. You can just stay the way you are, right? If you don't want to change with Jesus, that means that you're okay like you are. So why did God, with all his omniscience, send us a savior for you to stay the same? Think about it. 
Why would he send a savior to, to save the world, which he says, so that the world might be saved? Why would he send a savior for that? If some of us are talking about, hmm, God know how I am. Hmm. Me and God, he know me. Hmm. He know how far I can push the envelope. So I'm just pushing that old envelope. God ain't said I had to stop pushing the envelope. I've heard people say that. I heard Christ followers say that. You got to be careful what you say because then you might hear that next. <laughs> okay, Lord, help me. Okay, I, I will change. I will. <laughs> Sometimes it takes that. And if it takes that, praise God. Because you change. You see what I mean? Ain't no shame if you're going to change. Ain't no shame in your game when you change, right? As long as God gets you there. We have all come down a road. But we can't be sitting thinking that we're okay like we are. Because that shoots every, that shoots the whole story of the virgin birth. Put holes in it. Doesn't make sense. See? Why, why the lamb would come that way and we don't need him. Well, we need him. We need him more than ever now. We need him more than ever. So this scripture right here tells us that we have to change. Some things don't, don't change right away. God give you time. But know that the clock is ticking. He's not going to leave you like you are. You might think it's okay because you've been blessed. And everything going pretty good and you're still doing the little things you're doing. You're still acting out. You still got your little secret thing. Guess what? It's got to change. It's going to change. Uh-huh. Yeah. Some things depends on how big that, that God-sized hole is in your heart. See, you ever seen a person who, who was so sick? Maybe they had a, 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 a I've seen people that, that have been in bad situations and they've had uh, sores, open sores on their body. People walking around alive with maggots in their body. And there's a big hole. And the doctors have to stuff that hole with analgesic and all other kinds of things. It depends on how, hard, how, how deep that hole is, how much they stuff in there. That's sort of how it is with us when we have this God-shaped hole in us. And nothing can fill it. And we need to get to Jesus so that he can fill us up and get that thing plugged with him. He's going to have to clean it out and get that stuff in there and work it and scrub it and get it pristine. Now he's going to start putting in the, the new gauze and the new sutures to get us right again, see? And sometimes you got to do emergency surgery right away because the hole is gaping and it's festering with sin. And you've been in the gutter and you've been doing this for so long that he said, nope, come on, y'all. Let's get this done right now. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're getting to work scrubbing that thing out. It doesn't feel good. But this word says right here that if you're in Christ, guess what? The old stuff has to come out. Old things have to pass away. Behold, all things were made new. All things become new. So we can look at that and ask ourselves, how big is the hole? How big is the hole? What's keeping me from being with the Lord? He's telling us this year to get it in gear this new year. Maybe we need an example of how things work. Let's look at a worldly idea. Maybe we need an ex uh, to make this clear what the word of God is telling us. Something in our minds. Let's say it, how they think in the world, okay? We know that, let's use this time of year. We'll use a topic 
<clears throat> which we have to wrestle with year round, but especially during New Year's. We, I talked about it before. Don't, don't take this any kind of way. I, I'm just saying this is something that I always hear people talk about weight loss. New Year's, they say that we're going to, I'm going to lose weight, right? That's a good one. We start going to the gym. We buy memberships, everything like that. That's, that's the peak time. I used to be a trainer and New Year's is peak time for getting memberships for people because they're going to want to buy it back or sell it in the next month. But you can make money getting them to, to get a plan in January. And that's what the health clubs do. So, um, and it's not around the 4th of July and those, ho- those are holidays, 4th of July, uh, uh, you got Easter, you got those type of things, Memorial Day. But uh, as you turn the corner from August and you come into November, that's when we really start eating. That's, see, right? Because 4th of July is okay. You might go to lunch and Mother's Day or whatever it is. But that's still beach time. It's hot. That's the hot weather. Now, you're still playing tennis. You know, you're still out there. But right around the time the weather starts getting cold, right, you turn the corner, and, and, and November come? Oh, man, we start eating then. Let's start it up. Let's start it up, right? Right? We, we get the turkey, and we start shopping for stuff, and we go to the store two, three times a day. Turkeys. Big, big, big turkeys. Hams. Uh-huh. We, we eat gobs of potato salad. Fancy potato salad. We, gobs of it. We, we get the, uh, uh, the macaroni and cheese. The, we don't even call it macaroni. It's just mac and cheese. Leave off the caroni. Just mac and cheese. <laughs> Big old bowls of mac and cheese. We're just having a good time. And we, we start eating. And, and we just start eating. And, and, and we start sampling. Not to mention the sweet potato pies. Pumpkin pies. Chocolate cakes. Oh, yeah. This just November. Banana puddings, we start eating and sampling before we even, before Thanksgiving get here. We start eating. Then after you eat all that food, you realize on December, I mean November 25th, the day after, or the 20th, whatever day it falls on, the day after Thanksgiving, you're overloaded. You still got all this food in the house. Got to eat it. We start eating it again. Got heartburn, burping, watching TV, just eating, eating, eating. It take all the way from the end of November to the 1st of December just to get rid of the food. Now you know what's going to happen. You know what's coming up, Christmas. Okay? This is how we get ourselves in trouble. Then in Christmas, as soon as you hear jingle bells, you start going back to the store. Oh, it's that time. Tis the season to be jolly. Ta-la-la-la-la. And you go back to the store and you just start getting ingredients for stuff. So-and-so want a pie, so-and-so want a cake, so-and-so, and I want this. So we start cooking all over again, right? Candy canes, shortbread cookies, chocolate chip cookies, huh? icing, ice cream, all kinds. My favorite, your favorite, his favorite, her favorite, everything is there. Now Christmas is over. It's the 26th of December. Mm-hmm. Kids are playing with the toys. Food all over the house. Crumbs all over your mouth. And you're still eating. (laughs) Eat some more. Next day, the food's still there. Eat some more. Somebody gave you a whole box of candy. You ate it. And then had a nerd to say, what happened to the candy? Who ate my candy? 
You're the only one been eating it. That's me. That happened to me this time. Well, I had to eat it. Sister Beverly sent it from Texas. Didn't want it to sour. Candy sour. Anyway, we continue to hover over the kitchen every time we get up like vultures. And we start eating some more. All right, I'm trying to paint a picture, okay? Now, December is over. Gumbo, everything else, by the bowl. (laughs) You don't even eat with a spoon anymore. You just turn the bowl up. Let the sausage land between your teeth. And eat it. (laughs) And... Now is now here come here come New Year's. That's why people. That's why you hear all them gunshots last night. People shooting themselves because they ate so much. <laughs> Kablam! <laughs> no, no. But what I'm saying is that now, oh, we now you say, oh, I got to make this New Year's resolution. <laughs> This year, I'm going to lose some weight. Why make the resolution in the first place? When we're going to repeat the process. Does that make sense? I know it doesn't make sense, but it does. We do that, don't we? You know we need Jesus, don't we? <laughs> you see what I mean? Now, I just use that. The Lord just gave me that because of the weight loss. But it could be something else. Something else you've been repeating. And you know, you've been going through it throughout the year. What makes you think you're going to change now? Because the devil will make it so that he, he puts you on that ride. You're cruising through the year. You're eating a little bit. Eating. But you notice when you turn that corner, right around August, when nobody has birthdays after August but me. I got a birthday in August. But everybody else's birthday seems like it's in my family. It's in the summer. So after they forget about you and everything else and just look forward to eating. I think it's made up that way. And then you just start, you eat all the way around the corner. Just look at the, look at the year as a track. You go all the way down to August. Now you're, in, now you're turning the corner on the track and you're coming back up to the, to the bin. Now you run one lap. So, so when you get to Christmas time, you all messed up. <laughs> you all messed up. And you, you're going to have a New Year's resolution because you ate so much for three months straight. <laughs> right? We try to cope by societal standards. It'll never work. By our own standards, it won't work, right? We try to fit in, and surely, in all sincerity, we try to fit in, and we try to do things that the world sets ahead of us, and at our jobs and everything else. Ideals set by men and not God. Why? Because we don't know God well enough. That's it. And even when we do know him, uh, we still have to buckle down because society sets standards in order to critique our outer physical nature. Our appearance becomes important conditions while God works on our inner man. See, if we take care of the inner man, the outer will be taken care of. Amen. If we allow God to work on our spiritual man, then our mental man will work better. I'm not saying we're going to leave off the, all the cakes and cookies, but... The Lord will work in us when we start grieving that Holy Spirit to get us right, won't he? And he'll make everything right for us. That's why it's very, very important 
that we allow him to go to work in our lives. Uh, Pastor Alicia, read this one last scripture for us, and I'm going to prepare to close. 2 Corinthians 4.16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed mm-hmm. day by day. We need to take that with us, y'all. Uh, 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 <clears throat> it says outward. that right there, though our outward man be perishing. You know, we're going to go through some things. Remember that God comes to work on our inner man, right? It says our inner man is being renewed day by day. He's going to build us up. He's going to build us up. This is the same. This can be cross-referenced with 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The outward man, the old man must pass away, put him to death. The new man is going to emerge. We're going to have new thoughts, new ideas. We're going to give way to new things. And the new things are going to be the things of God. Right. You see, God has to set up shop in each one of us, each born again believer. God is going to set up shop in our in our spiritual house. He's going to rebuild us in the newness of life. Then he goes to work like the master carpenter that he is. He rebuilds our flawed and and worn foundations and he builds us up. So as I begin to close, I'm reminded of uh, Psalm 51 where David said, and I think it's verse 10, he says, create in me a clean heart, a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That's what God wants to do. See, David knew that he had imperfections. He knew that his heart was desperately wicked, yet he knew that his heart could be made clean and his spirit renewed by God. Right? So if God did it for David, guess what? He'll do it for he'll do it for the saints. He'll even do it for the ants if they come to him. God will come to us and and he will work in us just as he did with David. He'll work for you if you are willing to mobilize yourself and get moving toward Jesus. Amen. So this year. What's holding you back? I'm speaking now to those who are tuning in. If you don't know Jesus, what's holding you back now? This year, God says right now. Today, are you willing to get it in gear? Well, you do that by getting with Jesus. You've been listening to Pastor Joel Jones of Spirit of Truth Church Worldwide on the KFAX Ministry of the Week Sunday message. Find out more about Spirit of Truth Church Worldwide at their website, SOTCWW.com, which stands for Spirit of Truth Church Worldwide, or at our website, KFAX.com, where you can also find links to podcasts of this program. I'm Mike Matthews. Join us here again next week for the Ministry of the Week Sunday message on AM 1100 KFAX. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.